Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Welcome back, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you from... um, La Casa Sadler. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for hosting. We're still under construction for a while at Victory while we mm-hmm. get our studio up and running. And Ben, this office house space. is immaculate. People, if you're ever wondering where your offerings are going, jeez. <laughs> 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 no, but you just got back from Ireland. Do you want to tell, tell the folks? Oh, uh, it's embarrassing because it was so cool. Uh, it was, we did 16 guys uh, went golfing in Ireland to some of the most beautiful courses in the world. And even if you don't golf, I mean, just to go and see the Cliffs of Moher and mm. some of these other just incredible places. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. I, uh, I've i never been so relaxed. So it just, mm-hmm. the pubs, the golf, the friends, it was all my music. favorite things. The music, yeah. it was all my favorite things in one in one so trip. Cool. So, But happy to be back. So special. Did you, did you meet DJT, Donald J. Trump? No, he was supposed uh-huh. to be at his golf course. Yeah, he bought a golf course over there, Dunebag, and then named it after himself. Dunebag? <laughs> Dune, he said, Dunebag's the name of the course. See, I would have changed I would have changed that. <laughs> I think we're on the same page. And, and uh, yeah, he, I, I don't know all the reasons, but he, he wasn't, didn't show up that day. And uh, probably would have been too much hoopla anyways. But, yeah, it was, he, it was a nice course. I think the local people are very happy he bought it because so many of these communities are very small and they totally rely on people coming in mm-hmm. and playing golf and the whole community is based on these golf courses. So I think they're happy that, that, that oh, cool. it's there. So yeah, it was really great. So thank you. Was, I, you guys did a great job in the last podcast. Listen to that. So brought up all sorts of different things on worship and different church bodies and so... Yeah, yeah, we had a good time. That was really cool. Yeah, we're glad you're back. So what do we want to talk about today? Yeah, so I would like to start by talking about the student loan forgiveness uh, that's been enacted by President Biden. Um, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, a- as with everything, there's always, you know, discord. and It's always very polarizing. So I'm seeing, you know, some people are saying, Yes, we're here for it, regardless of the fact that I've already paid off my student loan or regardless of the fact that I might have kids who take out student loans or whatever. So there are some people who are definitely in this for us, for it camp. Mm-hmm. And then there are people, again, they might, they might have student loans, they might, you know, whatever. They are against it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I kind of just wanted to talk about that. Like, what are the implications of that um, in terms of, you know, like... I mean, I don't know, maybe where do you stand or, or mm-hmm. so, yeah, I don't know. Would it matter if it was something else? Like if, let's say he f- forgave, forgave everyone's, everyone's mortgage or everyone's car loan, or would that change it? Well, see, and this is where I would argue that, you know, and, and we talk about, you know, do you need a college degree? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people would argue that, yes, mm. at least, and maybe things are changing, but. I feel like I was always raised that, mm-hmm. you know, you need that piece of paper yep. and I'm not, I'm not even using my degree. Like, you know, and I know my husband's not using his degree. Right. And so, you know, I, do you need a college degree? And if you, cause you probably mm-hmm. need a car to get mm-hmm. to work, you know, mm-hmm. you there's could take public transportation, I guess, if it's available. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it comes down to what do we need mm-hmm. and do you need a college education, college degree? And, you know, I, I think I remember that feeling that tons of pressure and I had not saved enough for college. And all of a sudden, you know, I wanted to go to the ministry and here it was. And my parents said, we'll pay half and then you pay the other half. Uh, but still, we had eight years of school mm-hmm. to, to be a pastor. Um, so there was, I think, a lot of pressure that it was almost a given that you are going to go to college. You'd mm-hmm. have to save up your whole life to go to this four which is interesting. You've gone to school for 12 years and now for this four years, you really have to save up. And this is the one that's going to make or break you. Uh, I don't think that's the way it is anymore. There's just such a need for the trades now uh, Mm -hmm. that there's a lot more, which I think is really good acceptance and encouragement 
that you don't just need a heady degree. Right. Get something that's going to allow you to be a productive member of society. Um, I do think it's just a bizarre thing. I think if I'm in that situation and my loan was forgiven, I'd be, I'd be great. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. But how do you sustain that? And, and you know, there, I think I can understand the argument. Uh, you knew what you were getting into. Mm-hmm. It's your money. Mm-hmm. Why are you making other people pay for what you decided to do? This is part of the learning process. You can't take away all the consequences. Um, there's so many things like that. But I think once you call it a right, that college loan is a right, you're actually taking somebody's rights away by if you don't pay off their loan for them because it was, you know, colleges seem to be a human right almost. Yeah. Um, So I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, Do I, it's, you know, when it comes down to it, do I care that everyone's getting $10,000? No, because you you can just print more money. I mean, we saw that when everyone gets a stimulus check, it's like everybody gets money unless you're in the top, like 5% of earners in the country. So yeah, basically everyone gets free money. The problem is, is that you having more money doesn't make you good with money. It's like people that are broke tend to play the lottery more than people that don't. Mm-hmm. They say, I don't have any money, but if I could just get a big chunk of change, boy, then I could set my life straight. Wrong. What happens to people who win the lottery? They, they burn it all. They burn it all and they end up worse than they started because you don't know what to do with money. Mm-hmm. So... I would say the bigger problem is people are not managing their money well. And I didn't learn this till after I went to college either. And I was also, I I would say I was also, um, I wouldn't say I was like pressured against my will. Like there was pressure to go to college, but I wanted to. Mm -hmm. But you have, when you're you're 17 and you have to make that decision, you don't know what it means to take out 10, 20, $30,000. You've never even made that much money in your life. You don't know what that means. If someone said, hey, you have to take out $30,000 in loans, and then that's the equivalent of working like five years part-time at McDonald's, I'd be yeah. like, oh, you know, right. that's awful. Right. You know, but no one thinks about that. They just say, oh, I'll get a better job, and then I'll just, yeah. uh, we'll figure it out. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, now you actually have to figure it out. So I, to me, it's like, if they want to forgive debt, fine but you should at least be like they should at least mandate you to take some sort of like financial literacy course Mm -hmm. because pretty much everyone older than my generation and probably my generation too the only financial literacy you have before you graduate high school is like maybe consumer ed in high school if you take it as an elective Mm -hmm. that's it Mm -hmm. and um that's information that everyone needs and everyone uses every single day not physics yeah. Not algebra, right. not yeah. English, not literature, not right. history, none of the rest of it. But everyone needs to learn how to use money, and no one does. And then they say, well, I, well, I, I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Someone just needs to come and save me. It's like, well, no, you need to learn how to manage your money. The book of Proverbs talks about that a lot, of, of managing money, but also the importance of consequences. And I think, how else do you learn by saying, oh, crap, this is... I, I think about that a lot when it comes to our cars. Like when we we uh, had a car, a, our van went bad when we were, you know, still in seminary or just coming out, and and we panicked and we bought another car that we couldn't afford. And they're like, you know, it's taken us a long time to pay this off, but that consequence of going through that, like, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a long loan, yeah. and I feel like. What happens when you take away that consequence? Uh, right. You, you 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 take away somebody's opportunity to learn from that. So, again, if I'm in that situation and have all my student loans forgiven, you know, I might have a different. I might be very thankful and change yeah. my tune on that. But I, I I don't know if this is good for the long term of society. It's it's adding to our national debt. I mean, it's right. just, there's a lot of other. Yeah, things. saying like, oh, we have a trillion dollars in student loan debt. It's like, yeah, well, our government's like what, like twenty five trillion dollars, thirty trillion. I don't even know what it is. Well, yeah. I think they just really the government too just kind of abuses the the interest, right? So like, a loan is not just you know a loan. It's you know, and I'll, I mean, I'll speak from personal experience, like got a lot of student debt Mm -hmm. and you know so I will probably you know I haven't I don't know for sure but I'll probably take advantage of this um but you know so they have like 
my plan was to make, and I've been paying through COVID mm-hmm. because even though the payments were stopped, because yeah. it is my understanding that with my loan, if I make 20 years of consecutive payments mm-hmm. and don't miss one, mm-hmm. that will essentially, even though I'm only paying interest, basically, yeah. um, that they will forgive yeah. the, you know, mm-hmm. and so I've been paying through COVID this whole time, even though I maybe didn't have to, just cause I'm like, I'm not interrupting. I'm yeah. 10 years in, I'm right. not interrupting like, yeah. the, the payments, but I do think that, you know, the amount of interest, you know, if, if it was literally just money interest free, I mean, I think that would be a different thing, but I think that, um, you know, there, and what happens if, if you fall on hard times and you have to miss a payment and then, you know, in that 20 year span, then mm-hmm. you're, you know, kind of ba- screwed. Bottom line is that that is way too long to be paying off loans. I agree. That's, I mean, if the government said like every citizen gets $10,000 to go to college, you can yeah. use it or not. You can go to a cheap college or an expensive college, but we will give you the first $10,000. Right. I think I could get on board with that. But again, to to sell children at 17 or 16, hey, oh, this is a great school or even worse. This is a Christ centered education. (laughs) Go there because we want to make sure that you're not getting drunk and having sex, which, Mm -hmm. of course, doesn't work, people. (laughs) But if that's if that's your rationale, tell your kids, go to this school. That's where I went. That's a great school. And your kid's like, okay, sure. I mean, yeah. you guys turned out fine, right? And now you're like $25,000 in debt. You have no idea what that means. You graduate. You really have no idea what $25,000 is like. And you're like, oh, well, if I make or more Or 150 money, or 200 you Yeah, know, oh, that's, yeah people who worse. go to like med school or yeah. whatever. And or, yeah, the, I think the other issue is, and, and I don't know how you've solved this, but I mean... The cost for tuition has that's has a huge doubled, problem. even tripled where yes. I went yeah. uh, since yes. I went there, and you know it's just it's 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 so many costs that are adding up. So the cost of healthcare goes up because there's malpractice insurance that goes up that gets passed on, yep. and then yes. and then you pass that on to the professor and the institution and the upkeep and mm-hmm. the and soon like it's just I know some of our our uh, like training schools in our church body. They're underpaying their professors compared to what other other yep. colleges are getting paid, yep. mm. but it's still the cost is just astronomical. So, I do think that there's going to be a breaking point, and people are recognizing like what we actually need is not the college experience; we need are, are the skills. Mm-hmm. And so, how mm-hmm. do we learn these skills either through a digital class or through, you know, t- different in- internship programs? I mean, my most profitable year of education was my internship year called the vicar year mm-hmm. where I, I shadowed a pastor how many things can be done in a more creative way when you're not paying mm-hmm. for the buildings and the all the yeah. maintenance and all the mm-hmm. other insurance and all the things that are going on that just drive the cost up to where it, it's not sustainable and then especially when it comes to like our situation our, our schooling situation like our teachers and pastors are not making the money to pay right. off these loans no either yeah. so and, and I think a lot of, a lot of schools, you know, people come out with degrees in psychology or in, or teaching art or music. They're, they're not making the money to pay this off. So it's no. just, it's just an insurmountable problem. And I understand where the college be. I mean, I was like in the liberal arts program yeah. at my college. Um, fascinating, great stuff. I love getting into all that. Um, but what it comes down to is that's a book. That's a book you can check out at the library. And it's not going to be the same as learning in a classroom. I get that. And yes, those are valuable skills. And yes, that will be that'll stick with you in unseen ways your whole life. But it comes down, that is a book. That is a book you should check out. You should absolutely read it, but it's just a book. Yeah. And and like you said, um, the skills are what actually are going to take you through a career. Yeah, and so much of what you're paying for is the stuff that college adds to make it look more appealing than the next college. Yeah. So our dorms are nicer. Yes. Our and stadiums our, are better. Our, our stadiums, our programs. Of party. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's. I. I think Dave Ramsey said it was. He called it camp, and it yeah. totally is. It's. Mm. Co- it's college camp. It's not education. I went there. Trust me. It's fun. It's a really good time. And your friends live in the next building over and yeah. you can just hang out with your friends till four in the morning. Homework, 
just doesn't matter. You don't have to do it all the time. You can squeeze it into the last minute and still get an A if you're if you if you know what to do. You're wasting a lot of time, and a lot of that is just because there's so much fun to be had, and it's like. Man, was that a good use of my time? Did I grow a lot? Yeah. Was it a good use of my money? Uh, not really. <laughs> but I think if you do, you know, there are people, if, if you do get scholarships, if you do, if you're able to save up, if you are able to say, I just don't know if we need to put all the pressure on mm-hmm. kids like this is the only way to go. Mm-hmm. If it's going to cause you more, you have to weigh the balances. So I think if you can't afford it or if you get scholarships or, or, if you can pull that off, it's not a bad thing. Right. But, and, and that's totally true. The problem is, is that no one is educated with any financial literacy. Yeah. So they, they have, they just have no concept of what the I money is. They don't have a concept of how to get scholarships. They don't have a concept of like when you get a job and you have making this much money, how much money are you actually going to spend on saving up for a new car or spending for a house or for your retirement or just on your bills? How much money is actually going to be left over for you to pay? off these loans. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just nothing. You have to, everyone is figuring it out by themselves. And so, I I don't know. I To me, it's like, if you want to give people 10 grand for college, that doesn't bother me all that much, but you have to make them take a course to at least, I mean, and again, that sucks. No one likes having a government mandated course because no one will pay attention. It's going to cost money too, though. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, true. put it on high school like everyone else, you know. So what are your, what are your thoughts? Was this, Good thing, I, bad thing, indifferent. I don't. I don't know. I really. I mean, even though I'll probably mm-hmm. be, you know, be able to take advantage of it. I. I guess I don't know. I. Yeah. I don't know that I feel bad for people who have already paid their loans off. Yeah. You know, w- would I be mad if if I had paid my loan off and then mm-hmm. found all this? I don't know. I like. I. I don't know. I'm. Just hearing a lot about it in both sides of the coin, and. There's so many things that we do take advantage of, like, when. We, a school choice, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, that our that our school, our private schools have the choice money, um, th- so you don't pay for tuition. So that's a a perk or a. And there, there's a lot of things like that that you take advantage. But every time we do do that, you kind of are giving more control over to the government. And you know, you wonder what was the the, the core motivation for some of this. Uh, was it just because they're concerned? Yeah, are they just concerned about? Yeah. Are you just concerned about the student debt, or is or is there? So I don't know. Who knows what the motives are behind it? So I, it's hard to say good or bad. Again, if I was the one receiving all that, uh, I'd probably be very happy. Um, if I look at my great grandkids and I could see what this has done to putting the debt back on them, it's going to be passed somewhere. Somebody's got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I. It's just too bad that I feel like we should keep passing the buck to the next generation. Well, and the, I mean, if the if we're so concerned that this is all the consumer debt in the country, it's like the government is not setting a very good standard. You know, we're a country mm-hmm. we're a country that lives on credit cards. Yeah. I mean, the consumer debt is astronomical. I mean, uh, the average car payment is something like seven eight hundred dollars a month. Wow. I mean, that's absurd. Don't but, say that. <laughs> They're in the market for a new car. Don't, don't, don't do it, Ben. Ben, I bought my car is sixteen years old. Yeah, no, I pay absolutely nothing I know, every we're month. We're squeaking for this it. out as long as we can. <laughs> uh, I, I was just saying this to the other day. Uh, some family members who own different businesses and just talking to them. I think, I think everybody should own their own business or at least own their own something, uh, whether it whether it's a band or, 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 you know, a product, a business or something. So they realize what it actually costs to put on a show, deliver a good, deliver a product, mm-hmm. deliver a service, what it takes to pay employees or supplies or services, because then you start grappling like, all right, money is a tangible thing that has a value to it. And this is what it costs to do a business. And this is what it costs to pay employees. This is what it costs to make money. Because I think as long as it's something that you have no experience with, yeah, the government, it's all monopoly money. The government Mm -hmm. can pay this. And Mm -hmm. why can't businesses pay me more? Well, do you realize everybody's trying to squeak by and what it actually takes to run a business? Yeah. Like Annie and I have talked about this, like, because you play in some bands and I do. 
you know, a little contract work here and there, videography, stuff like that. And it's like, how much do I charge? And it's like, well, I'd be happy with this number, but um, Uncle Sam is taking 40% of that. Mm -hmm. So you got to like double what you think you want to make. And then there's travel costs and Mm -hmm. equipment costs. Mm -hmm. And and so I think everybody should have that experience because then you would probably look at things differently. You wouldn't demand other people to pay for things or think that everybody uh, that money is such a fluid thing that is not but it's tangible and 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 there is restrictions and there are limits to it uh so and and if you don't live within those limits uh Mm -hmm. you cause too much chaos in your life Mm -hmm. yeah you can't and you can't just keep passing the buck so you have to stop sometimes uh, and also Jesus. There, we made it. <laughs> yes, yes. We circled back to it. Yes. Well, you were saying people were comparing this, you know, if you have a problem with the government forgiving this debt, think of what Jesus did. And I, he still took that payment on himself, right? And I think that that's the interesting thing is that it, he didn't, when, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the punishment for us went on him that somebody still had to pay for it. So the question is, who's paying for it? Um, so the rest of the public is Jesus in the Well, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Yeah, the American public The government's not absorbing this on themselves. It's our grandchildren. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and what's so remarkable about the selflessness of Jesus is he took it on himself. He didn't... He didn't say, you're forgiven because I punished somebody else. Yeah, right, right. You're forgiven because I took on what you deserved. I paid your debt. Mm, and that's a good point. And I mean, that's like like a really deeply biblical concept, actually, that we, we always compare. We use money a lot when talking about it. Like, oh, my debt has been paid. Mm-hmm. Or it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like um, Christ is giving you these riches or the yeah. riches mm-hmm. of Christ, right? Treasures, um, yeah. and, and But it's not free, Right. That's the whole point is it's not he didn't just say, oh, your sin uh, disappeared. Take this uh, salvation instead. Someone had to pay it. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the whole point. That's why that's why it's so powerful. Mm. Right. It's not because, of course, God could do anything. Right. Right. But if he's going to live within this thing where it's like every soul has their own will, every human is their own being, then the cost for what they do has weight. And yeah. that weight has to go somewhere. It yeah. can't just be absorbed. Right, exactly. That's a good point. That's really good. And and then he's got to be just, right? And mm-hmm. justice demands that somebody has to mm-hmm. has to pay that there is tangible. So yeah, that that's where it, that, that comparison breaks down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think we solved that problem, solved. right? <laughs> Yikes. Learn y'all, learn y'all yourselves about money and stuff. Should we move on to the next topic? Yeah. Okay. So I know this is kind of refrain that I keep bringing up because I don't know, just something that is deep, to, deep, deep concern that I have. I've talked about uh, notable pastors who have are no longer in the ministry, and man, the number just keeps on climbing. Whether it's Ravi Zacharias, uh, Tully Chavichin, Mark Driscoll, uh, Bill Hybels, um, a lot of notable pastors that I followed, um, and now another one uh, who's kind of part of that cohort, uh, Matt Chandler. He, he started a church in Texas and uh, great preacher. Uh, another one of those guys who seemed to be really faithful in his high, a high view of the Bible um, and yet a deep love for people and uh, a deep love for, for preaching the gospel. And he seemed to be somebody that a lot of pastors and preachers were looking up to. And uh, last week he came before his congregation said he was stepping down because of some texts with a member in the congregation that wasn't, he says, wasn't sexual in nature, uh, but uh, it was unguarded. A lot of, uh, there's a lot of issues with it. And one of the issues was, in, in a lot of these cases, the pastors who are stepping down, they're giving the announcement and so mm. they can kind of control the narrative as to what they want to say. Because I know if I screwed up, I'm probably it's 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 easier for me to you know kind of say what I want people to hear or say what what I want to say. Uh, and then he said he's going to still be the pastor for 20 years, but he's taking a step down for a while. Well, it had to be more than that if he's stepping down. Um, 
so it's just it was a bizarre situation. Uh, it it doesn't look good, and uh, and then there was an article on um, the Gospel Coalition website that 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 was reviewing a book called Celebrities for Jesus: How Personas, Platforms, and Prophets Are Hurting the Church. And this author, um, Caitlin Beatty, uh, she gets into some of this, and this is what she says. She says um, we're having a celebrity problem. Um, Celebrity is not the same as fame, she says, which is being known because of an accomplishment. You think of Steve Jobs. Um, We most often think of celebrities like the Kardashians in the way that um, Daniel Borstein, I don't know who that is, famously defined the term as being known for their well-knownness. Beauty, uh, this author, adds to this an additional criterion. Uh, For the purpose of the book, she writes, I'd like to offer a definition of celebrity as social power without proximity. And so you have this power over people, uh, but you're not really known for, you're just being well-known for being well-known. You don't really have something that you've offered. Uh, and so you put these people on a pedestal. They don't really let you, they, they control the narrative. And uh, she says that this kind of fame or desire to be well-known, especially outside of the local church, uh, is what's causing the problem. Um, she brings in up a couple other things. So I don't know. What do you guys think about about that? Um, this desire for celebrity, not just fame, being well known for something, um, and then maybe contrast that. They talk about how Jesus lived in obscurity. Um, you know, he decided to grab a, a group of twelve disciples that were unknown. He didn't go to the synagogues or to the temple to grab them. He was okay being in a backwoods town of Nazareth and and just kind of be in the outskirts. He did a lot to get away from the crowds, to not be put on that pedestal. So is that what we need to be doing or or what can we do so that this stops from happening? Because it's, I, I mean, I could list 10 more. Well, I think in the article it mentioned, I thought something about um, how some of this well-knownness, you know, is bringing people to church or to Christ, right? So like, I mean, like it's yeah. not it's not a terrible thing sure. in that regard, but as with much of life, I think, you know, I think we have to walk the tension between the two, right? Because you want to be well-known if, if you're doing it for the right reasons, knowing that this might bring people to church or bring people to Christ or whatever, but if it gets out of hand, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think, I think it, there's some value to it, but um, we got to be careful, yep. right? What are your thoughts, Matt? Um, I think, I think part of it, why it's so common with preachers is there's like working at a church is not quite like working anywhere else Mm -hmm. where there's this, you kind of have this understanding, like everybody around you is like working toward the same mission. Right. And so in some ways you can kind of, um, skip ahead in the process of getting things done because you can you can just kind of use an excuse like oh well this gets more people in the door and then everyone's like oh yeah that's good because ultimately we want to get more people here to hear the message and <clears throat> there's kind of like i feel like there's different shortcuts you can make mm-hmm. if you kind of just rationalize everything well like our goal is to is to reach people mm-hmm. our goal is to talk to people and then if you're the pastor and all you're doing is being greeted with success success after success mm-hmm. why would you stop yeah why would you stop and you and you st- and people and you know every sunday people are saying oh thank you pastor that was a great message and your team is succeeding and your church is growing and you start to think wow god is really blessing us here God put me here for a reason. Yeah. That's another kind of one of these cheat codes we have. Like, oh, God it put me here for yep. his purpose. Yep. And that, that means that I'm the boss man. Yep. Um, and I think that's why it's so it's so tricky for, for like preachers in general, church people, because like you can kind of you can kind of coat everything with very religious rhetoric mm-hmm. and it and it um it lends some credence to everything you do when you start mm-hmm. saying um, this is part of God's plan. I'm here for His purpose. Yeah. I'm a servant of God, so by extension, everything I do is for Him. Right. Like, eh, I think you're maybe, right. You know. Mm. I think you're right. Interesting. She puts in the article that she sees, you know, just that searching, you know, for f- celebrity or fame is the issue, and I think that's part of it. Um, but 
it's also noted in this article that like if you're going to write a book, it's going to reach people outside of right. the local the local church. So and it's going to help people. I think what I really like what you brought up, Matt. You know, if you're if you're having any other kind of business, let's say you have a, a gym, you would be successful in your gym not just if people came to your gym, but if they were getting healthier. And that would be a successful gym. If you were uh, having a product like, uh, you know, whatever, people, uh, you know, a golf course. Are people enjoying the golf course? Not just if they come in and we fill up the golf course and get as many people mm-hmm. golfing as golf course. Are they enjoying it? Or whatever it is, your your measurement is not just the number but is the product I'm offering actually reaching its goal? Is actually helping people live a better life in whatever areas, transforming their life in this area? And I think we've forgotten that in the church, that the goal is to transform hearts. And it doesn't matter how many people we come in the door. If hearts are not being transformed, then we're, then we're not preaching the truth in love. We're not actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's the goal. I also think Jesus talks about this a lot, um, he said, beware of the, the Pharisees, the, the religious people. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and mm-hmm. be known for their long prayers. Mm-hmm. And so there is this um, temptation to play the part, to do this just to be known, which I think is what this whole celebrity idea, instead of to do this so that you're transforming lives and helping people. I can't wrap my head around that. Like I can't, I can't, I literally cannot. I can't wrap my head around that motivation. Th- to just be well known. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't. It doesn't. I I we talked about this um a, a, several episodes ago, and um kind of compared. It's it's a pride thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and pride stems from people wanting to be God themselves. Yeah. They like the power, yeah. the authority, the influence that comes with celebrity, and the love. It's not real love. Mm-hmm. It's just popularity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and and um you know it and, and that 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 happens to preachers pastors just the same as it happens to anybody else. Yeah. The problem with pastors is that they they're going to convince themselves that they're doing something right. They're doing something right. for God. Yeah. But they need to stop acting like Almighty God the Father and start acting a little bit more like Savior Jesus. Yeah. And you need to you need to you need to stop looking at yourself like. I'm acting as God's person here on earth. And, yeah. You know, that, that's the problem. That's the whole problem with the Pope. I mean, you're, you're putting yourself in that, that place. Yeah. And I, I totally, I know that's kind of like a theoretical, like subconscious thing. Um, but I totally believe that. I totally yeah. believe it's, 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 it's within us. It's, it's basically the root of all sin is pride. Mm-hmm. It's our desire to be God rather than the actual God. That's so good. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And it's interesting on the third page of the Bible, what is the temptation? You know, if you if mm-hmm. you take this tree and you define good and evil, you can be like God. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I know you don't get that motivation, but I can I, I can see it, you know, everywhere. And I think it it's subtle. You start out, oh, look at we're and as I kind of research these pastors, I see it. They start. They start these small churches. They're a handful of people. They're serving these people. They're doing whatever they can to meet their needs. You know, they're having them over. They're taking care of them. Um, that starts growing, and then they start distancing themselves from the people, and then uh, they can kind of control the narrative. And then they just become a spokesperson. Then they just become a, a voice. And then they just get become well known for their long prayers and and for their style of preaching and not really uh, what they're doing. Connecting uh, with the people. Connecting with the people and their heart and how much they love. So I think it's Hmm. what what, uh, says in the book of Proverbs, guard your heart. And I think that's the the main thing. And then I do think you can still, as a spiritual leader, write books, obviously do a podcast or, or do a digital ministry that does reach outside of the four walls of your church. You just have to really stay grounded with people. And I think that's what's so important about being married. My wife will tell me, you know, she'll call me on my garbage. And, uh, and then I think good church leaders that will do the same thing. Hmm. So, so I, I, 
I, I think I should actually get this book and, and read this book. It was an interesting review. I, again, I don't know if I agree with all the conclusions as to why this keeps on happening, but because it keeps on happening, I, I do think we need to keep investigating why and guarding it because the worst part about this is these large influential ministries that have publishers behind them, they have books behind them, they have podcasts and sermons. I mean, this this person has touched literally millions of people, millions of viewers, and millions of people have read Matt Chandler's books. Now they question their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, is, 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 do I really believe this? Was this really true? Uh, if, if this could happen to the guy I, I was following, could it happen to me? All those kinds of things. So the, the fallout is really, really bad. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. What do you think, Matt? What's on your mind? Uh, so I mentioned this before, but uh, I went to my most trusted source <laughs> of, of uh, human wisdom, that being Facebook.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a lot of a lot of things I've been seeing that have just been bothering me, and uh, it's a lot of people posting. You know, um, uh, you know, maybe they just got out of a bad relationship, and it's like, I don't deserve to be treated this way. I deserve to be respected. I deserve to be loved. And in lots of contexts, people will say, you know, you don't have to do anything to deserve love. You just deserve love for being you. And of course, I'm thinking, well, this is a bunch of horse crap. Um, and so Robot. I, I just, th- this is, I can prove it. Um, and so I went on uh, Google and I just typed in, do, do humans deserve love? And the results there are equally depressing. And this is an article that popped up right away. Um, it's called, Do You Believe You Deserve Love? from Huffington Post by Margaret Paul, PhD. Huh. And she wrote this article. And I won't read the entire thing, but basically, let's see. Um, I'll, I'll start here. So the, the sad thing is that many children are not loved just because they exist. Instead, they have to perform to receive mm-hmm. love, which isn't love at all since it's conditional based on their being a certain way, such as being obedient or getting good grades. If they behave right, then they earn approval, which they learn to confuse with love. Mm. Real love is not something that can be or needs to be earned. When the positive energy given a child is conditional, then it is more accurately called approval. Love is love is that which is unconditional. That's interesting. Where is she getting that idea from? We'll see. <laughs> there are no conditions under which it is withdrawn or reserved. Um, so then she talks a little bit more about um, how what happens uh, when children do not receive enough love as mm-hmm. children, and that's very sad and scary and life ruining. Yeah. And oh man, so this is the best part. As part of our developing, as part of developing our wounded self, we unconsciously decided that who we really are, dash our magnificent soul essence, was not good enough. We reasoned that if we were good enough, we would be loved. As little children, we could not understand that not being unconditionally loved had nothing to do with us. That is, that that it was because of our parents coming from their own ego-wounded self didn't know how. So this is the this is the crux of it that just was like, what are you talking about? So this this is your soul essence. This is who you really are. This is what we see in babies and why we know that all babies are deserving of love. This is what we see in puppies and kittens and other baby animals, which engenders our love for them. We all deserve love just because we exist. And we are all and we all are loved each and every moment by the energy of love that is spirit slash universe slash God. But you will not know and feel this until you love yourself. So Oof. there's a lot of like ha- so what what are your thoughts on that? So first of all complete garbage <laughs> you think it's complete garbage? i've read i've read the entire so so the point about like children needing love mm-hmm. to properly function to build social relationships etc 100 that's true that has nothing to do with anybody deserving love no. she at no point in the article actually explains why people deserve love but she does say that your magnificent soul essence who you really are is deserving of love and is 
constantly receiving love from unspecified supernatural what's his face yeah and but that doesn't that doesn't my my problem with all of this well many problems because people are disgusting <laughs> ungodly vulgar creatures is that is that people don't say i need love or i want love they say deserve okay and where are you getting the word deserve who's making these rules and they're they're using they're, they're you're you're using the word deserve on purpose. You're not yeah. saying I really wish I had love. Or I, I really wish it, someone loved or, it. Yeah, right. or I need it. And and you, and for all intents and purposes, uh, yeah, I, I'll agree that you need love. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you certainly do not deserve it. Well, no, I mean according to Christianity, yeah. no, I mean no, no human no does and I deserve think- it. And when you start to, because then what is the next point, right? If I deserve it. Then you're allowed to get angry at something, at some supernatural something, or your parents, or or something, or me. If you don't don't love me. You're allowed to get angry at me because it is your right. And all I'm saying is, who gave you the right? Because a right has to be an agreement between two parties. It's like when you get paid at work, you're saying, why am I getting paid? Because I worked. Not exactly. The real reason you're getting paid is because you signed a contract of some kind that gives you the right to that money if you work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But someone there has to be a con. Someone else has to be involved. Someone who has authority over you has to give you the right because they have the rights. Yeah. They are giving them to you. They're the big person. You're the small person. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, that I don't know. That just bugs the snot out of me. People I, say I that they deserve it, well, anything. Yeah. Whether it bugs you or not, I don't know if that's the pro- the problem. Is like, <laughs> is it helpful, right? It, you know, and I think there. On one hand, like you said, there, there's so much so much truth there. If you're not loved, if your your parents don't love you, or if 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 people don't love you, you don't receive that kind of unconditional love, and you don't re- recognize that there is a true God, not just a divine essence, but a, a real God who created you, who loves you, who made you, who died for you, all those things. Um, you will go looking for love in all the wrong places, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's really a lot of truth there. Now, yeah, if you say, I deserve love from this specific person, or, or somebody who dumped me or whatever, or, or somebody who doesn't agree with me, um, now all of a sudden that gives me a, a right to now respond or hurt or demand or make that other person small because they didn't love me. And that, that that's just going to cause bitterness and vengeance and problems. So that word, you're right. I think that the, the word that, you know, so many things, not, not when the devil speaks, he always speaks in half truths. And so I'm not saying that this is demonic or anything like that. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm saying in general, that's usually what it's not. There's so many things that are true, but so often the, the, the lie is a half truth. And so there's so many things I agree with that that author was saying, we need love. We 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 run on love. Uh, we are made to to receive love. That's all true. But then once you start demanding love from certain people, that's when you become vengeant. You know, mm-hmm. you, you feel a victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you turn actually even worse sometimes into a villain, demanding it from people, and that's when the and problem comes in. I just where does the idea that love is unconditional come from, if not from God? Yeah, that's the only place mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. Your only other interaction is with people and animals, and they do not love you unconditionally. So where is this unconditional love if you're getting it from nature? You know, my right. dog what loves me mean? unconditionally. Actually, Scout. no, she does. <laughs> she because of the food. She actually, <laughs> see, see, you have to feed her, right? That's right? No, Scout is on a different plane of existence than the rest of us, probably. Yeah. The, um, I was trying to think of the the philosopher who talked about um, because he, you know he's an atheist philosopher and he said because there is no God, your life is only as meaningful as you make it, and so you have to create your own meaning, you have to create your own purpose, you have to create your own, and so the qu- question is, am I? Do I have value because I'm created or do I create value because of some what I produce in the world? Am I only as valuable as as what I what I can put out? Like what kind of skills I bring to the table, what kind of um, you know 
con- conditions am I meeting? Um, so and if depressing. there is no if there is no God, yeah, then my value is only what I bring to the table. You know, the skills and the knowledge and and all those things. But if there's a God who's given me gifts and everything is a gift, even my skills and my talents and my opportunities, then I am then then I then that love that I so desperately need is met in God, and that that is so such a different way to look at it. now. It's interesting that pop psychology and modern psychology has to borrow borrow from the Christian worldview. Um, I think because yeah, if you just look at it from a secular point of view, you where, where do you get that unconditional love? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think if I take her up, she'll stop barking. We're going to go to commercial break okay. as Ben takes his dog outside. All right, here we go. <clears throat> uh, so I also found this study that was done. It says, those who believe that they deserve love and those... Uh, oh, this is about those who believe that they deserve love and those who don't. The differences between the two groups are staggering. 68% of people who believe they are unworthy of love also admit that they don't like themselves. Mm, okay. Uh, 62% also think they are boring and uninteresting. 70% feel they are not good enough for anyone. Uh, 46% will change their personality, opinions, or appearance in order to be accepted by others. Um, 42% have an intense desire to be liked. There's a ton of these. Mm -hmm. The results are very, 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 very dramatic. Um, So I guess the point is... um, you have people who say, I deserve to be loved. I have, I deserve to be loved. There's a slew of people that say, I don't deserve to be loved. Mm-hmm. And they are suffering, it seems mm-hmm. like, some pretty severe, I would say, psychological consequences. Hmm. And of course, I take the opinion that you do not deserve to be loved. So, obviously, we can point then to, to Jesus. And I, what's the, the other way to look at it is, I am loved. Yes. Whether I deserve mm, it or yes. not, I am loved. And... Regardless of my yeah productivity or my skills or I am loved and that's whether I deserve it or not and that's like the hollowness of saying um, you deserve to be loved you just have to reach out and grab it basically right because it's it's still like well I don't feel that way well it, you do on whose authority you just do because you're a human being and and that's so hollow. I mean, the real love, like the real love that Jesus gave you is there and it is waiting for you. And he died. Mm-hmm. And that is so much more powerful than just saying the the the, the, universe. the divine energy that permeates our universe is is giving you love and it's yours. And, and there's nothing there. It's generic. There's nothing yeah. there. You can't interact with that love on any sense. All you have is some PhD's article. And by the way, how does she know? And if it's obvious, why do so many people suffer from not deserve? They they feel they don't deserve to be loved. Hmm. It's not obvious to people. It is not obvious to people. So where, like, where are you getting this info? I think it really goes down to were you created or not? Mm -hmm. Because when you create something, you love it. Because mm-hmm. you created it, mm-hmm. whether that's a child, whether that that's a piece of art, mm-hmm. whether a song, whatever it is, when you create something, you love it because it's created. And if we're not created, then our value is only from what we produce. Mm-hmm. And Yikes. so, I, 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 again, I think that atheistic worldview is unsustainable. Because I, I, it's terrifying, it's depressing. It's, yeah. it's depressing. It's terrifying because as soon as you slip up, you are now useless and unlovable. Yeah. If you if you get a disease, yes, right. You are right. unlovable because you're useless. Yeah. And um, I just was watching a video the other guy a day of a, an atheist guy who he used to be an alcoholic, had severe anger issues, and uh, you know eventually became a Christian. And he was like, you know, when he was kind of having this moment of conversion, he said, I realized Christianity is the only religion that tells you, go back and pick up the people that fall. And it's the same exact thing because, you know, in the world, people have value because they're useful, because they're funny, because they provide something for other people. But what about those people that can't? 
Right. They're useless and therefore they're unlovable. But Christianity is the only one that values everyone equally mm-hmm. and then tells people, pick up the person who can't do it on their own. If only we would live that way then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? If we right. live that way and if we would treat people that way, that they're valuable before they produce something. And then the gifts they do bring to the table, there are gifts. You know, the, the, the talented artist or construction worker or singer or athlete, those are gifts that they receive from God. So even those things that they can produce is not something that they did on their own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I, I don't... Just like an atheist uh, borrows from a Christian worldview saying that we deserve love or we're lovable or all those things, uh, and they don't have any metaphysical reason to believe that, I think very often Christians forget the gospel. True. Mm-hmm. And forget that uh, we, we actually borrow from the atheist worldview and treat people that they're only lovable until they produce something. Um, and so we need to start living within our actual faith and love people before they're lovable. Tall so, order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, right. no kidding. No kidding. So my thesis is you don't deserve love, but you have it anyway. Uh-huh. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. No, that's true. And that's, that will keep you from being angry at people, demanding that they love you. You have to love me. You have to accept me. You have to mm-hmm. uh, validate every idea or thought I have because I deserve that from you. Um, but it also keeps you from being completely depressed, like, oh, no one loves me, you know, turning into Eeyore. When you realize I don't deserve love, but I am completely loved by God, it keeps you humble and grateful, and yet it keeps you also from falling into that uh, I have no value Eeyore phase. So, yeah, it's a really, I, I don't know of any other way you can come to that place except through Christianity. Okay. All good? That's, That's all good. the time we have for today. Join us next week with our guest star, Scout, <laughs> who will be playing with a sock the whole time. <laughs> If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.